Greet you as well in the name of the Lord Jesus. You can turn your Bibles to uh, Hebrews, the first chapter. Before I begin, I feel like I need to make a, an apology to you. Um, Wednesday evening, I made a statement about being late for church. Um, the Lord reminded me through my wife that probably this wasn't the wisest thing to say. And uh, I, I want to ask your forgiveness. I thought of uh, reasons why people may be late for church. could be, you know, there's a lot of miles traveled. There could be uh, slippery roads. could be um, uh, car trouble, sick children. And uh, I was reminded also of Cleans this spring when they stopped to pick up Cleola and she was, had passed away. So I beg your forgiveness and um, I'm sorry. So much for that. Um, I don't want to belabor that point. But, uh, Hebrews 1. In the first few verses, my, uh, my message this morning is entitled The Simplicity of the Gospel. Um, Hebrews 1, the first few verses go like this. God who at sundry times... And in divers' manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory, and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Being so much, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. We think of uh, the, the gospel, which is uh, often called the good news, and it is. It's uh, the good news of the plan of salvation, and we have the gospel uh, spoken about in many verses in. Uh, in the um, New Testament, um, I don't believe it's used in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament it's used many times where uh, the gospel talks about the gospel being preached and uh, its effects on, uh, on the people that accept it. <clears throat> also, uh, and this, this, uh, first few chapter, uh, verses of Hebrews uh, give a um, uh, what we might sometimes call a nutshell of the, the gospel. It's very brief. Uh, here it says, uh, He's spoken unto us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the worlds, and especially the third verse, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person. That's Speaking of he being uh, God himself, 
and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had himself purged our sins. And there's the gospel, the good news of the gospel, where Jesus came to save us from sin, and ascended and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Uh, just a few pages back in First Timothy three, Second Timothy, yeah, First Timothy, three sixteen. Are these is this little short gem as well? And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world. Received up into glory. Again, a very simple statement that covers uh, uh, so much of the uh, 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 the story of the gospel. It just uh, puts it all in a just a little uh, a little concise statement. And uh, there were there are several verses uh, like this, and we'll be looking at some of these as we go through this. Uh, that talk about uh, the plainness of the gospel, the, the simplicity of it. It's just a, a simple message. It's, it's not something that's complex. It's not something that's been, uh, that we have to uh, um, do a lot of um, research about. But it's, uh, it's, uh, the Bible gives simple statements about the gospel, the story of salvation. And I'm impressed with its uh, simplicity and its uh, uh, the way it can be understood. <clears throat> In the last decades, probably early 1900s on, uh, some have attempted to illustrate the plan of salvation with stories or allegories. Um, I'm not against uh, allegories and stories. For illustrations uh, use, I'll say a little more about that later. Uh, but there are some uh, stories and allegories that uh, are, I guess in my opinion, are a bit ridiculous. I'll just mention a few. Um, and some of these could be... Uh, um, could be used, I guess, um, if they're true to the Bible. Authors like uh, C.S. Lewis, uh, J.R. Tolkien, who wrote a what's called a trilogy of uh, the Lord of the Rings. Uh, they're supposed to illustrate the battle between good and evil, but it's filled with violence and imaginary beings called hobots. Uh, this is a... Um, and then there's, uh, there's Hollywood movies that uh, try to portray Bible stories. Um, I remember when I was growing up, there was one called the Ten Commandments. I never, never went to that, never seen it. Uh, more recent than that was The Passion of Christ, which is a, a, a portrayal of Christ's suffering, uh, very very uh, gory, I'm told. I didn't see that either. But a very gory uh, portrayal of of Christ's suffering and death. 
but at the end of the and by the way the the um, director of this film was uh, nothing short of an alcoholic uh, Mel Gibson I think his name was uh, he um, <coughs> actually played part in the movie himself I'm told when the movie was all over uh, Christ was still in the grave that's where it ended the uh, a more recent one yet is uh, Noah I, I've seen a, just a little bit of a review a preview of that not uh, not the movie but uh, um, somebody uh, telling about it uh, very uh, very much of a deviation a serious deviation from the actual truth of the story of the flood um, I was um, I was trying to come up I couldn't come up with the uh, title of Tolkien's trilogy The Lord of the Rings and I um, for the life of me I couldn't remember it couldn't think of it I, I thought of it last week but I couldn't think of it this morning so I, I punched in on Google his, his name and um, so I got my information that I wanted but something else startled me uh, worries me just a little bit on the same page, Google had other authors that uh, you might want to look up, it said. They listed C.S. Lewis and a few others. They also listed A.K. Rowland. Uh, you've forgotten who she is. In the last ten years, she has become a billionaire writing the Harry Potter stories. Harry Potter uh, is a teenage wizard, which is nothing short of a male witch. If that sparks your interest and uh, curiosity, the first thing you need to do is go to the Bible and read what God says about witches and wizards and magic and things of that nature. I guess my um, my concern is that uh, Google puts these all on the same page. Makes me wonder why we don't. Just a few uh, other uh, scriptures that warn us about things like this. Um, Let's turn off, uh, first of all to Second Peter. The uh, first chapter and sixteenth verse, and here's what Peter says, as he writes to these uh, people, these uh, pilgrims, uh, ones who are suffering. Uh, persecution, ones who have uh, had a, quite a time in uh, their their um, walk with the Lord. But Peter says this, Moreover, I will endeavor 
that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. For we have, this is the 16th verse then, Second uh, Peter 1, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitness of his majesty. What were these cunningly devised fables? In this case, probably it was. It had to do with uh, uh, Judaism, the the Jews who were who were uh, making uh, the followers of Christ very uncomfortable uh, in persecution and in uh, their uh, pursuit of them. Uh, cunningly devised fables could be anything that would deviate from the true gospel. First uh, Timothy 4 verse 7 he, Paul uh, instructs Timothy here and he says, but refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Uh, Adam Clark mentions the uh, the idea of uh, some of these fables and uh, um, cunningly devised fables and uh, these things that, uh, that are uh, probably old uh, Jewish traditions that, uh, and I didn't read any of them, but uh, he's, he mentions how that there were some very ridiculous ideas that the Jews had that they uh, used for uh, fables and and stories, and uh, they were also he mentions the uh, Middle Ages and how uh, legends and and uh, allegories and stories uh, became the norm in preaching and uh, how far off they were from the true gospel, the simple the simplicity of the gospel. <clears throat> Jesus said, take heed that you be not deceived. He said it many times. Warned his disciples that there was coming a time when there would be uh, deception, that uh, people would be deceiving the, uh, the, the people, the, in the, and especially in the last times, uh, there would be that. <clears throat> In uh, Galatians, just a few verses there, Galatians 1, Paul warns, uh, warns the people in verse 6, he said, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ into another gospel. Not the simplicity, not the simple gospel, the common faith, but another gospel. And then he says, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. And so uh, here in Galatians, the first chapter, he talks about another gospel and he talks about a perverted gospel. And uh, I think we, we'd be blind and uh, have our heads in the sand to, to think that this is not applicable today, that there are so many uh, perversions and so many things that um, 
would uh, uh, would uh, distract us from what uh, we want to look at uh, here in just a little bit about uh, the uh, simple and and common faith that the Bible teaches. <coughs> Many of these uh, modern uh, portrayals of Bible events and uh, things like that are very serious deviations from the truth of the Bible. Uh, I guess from mild, mild deviations to very serious ones. And so I think we need to be careful. Now, uh, like I said in the beginning, uh, I'm not opposed to allegories and illustrations and stories that uh, portray gospel truth. Uh, these, uh, Paul, in, um, well, in Galatians 4th chapter, he uses a story from the Old Testament. He calls it an allegory, and he uses it to teach a lesson. But it's, uh, it's something that is, um, that's realistic. It's not something that has some weird characters or or uh, characters that are not uh, not even uh, they're just uh, that are uh, imaginary. But he uses real characters, and he calls this an allegory, and, and uses it as a lesson to teach the Galatian Christians of their uh, position in Christ. <laughs> Jesus uses parables. Uh, he he used. Uh, the parable of the sower and the parable of the tares and the wheat. And uh, he uses these parables that are realistic and uh, are true to uh, the things of nature. There is an interesting uh, observation that I made in this study. I'll read that from uh, John 16, Jesus' own words. And, um, well, let's see, where should I start? Um, Verse 23, In that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs. Uh, my, My center line says in that, that verse, uh, or that word is a, Somewhat the same as parables. Jesus taught them in parables. He spoke to them in parables. That's what he said. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs. But the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs. But I shall show you plainly of the Father. So uh, we observe there that Jesus told of a time when it would be plainer even than parables. That his... uh, what he was teaching would be uh, very plain. Uh, verse 20, 26, At that day you shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loveth you, because ye have loved me, and have believed that I am come out from God. I came forth from the Father, and I am come unto the world again. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. And the disciples said unto him, Lo, thou, thou speakest thou plainly, and speak us no parable. 
And so Jesus uh, used the uh, medium of parables while he was here on earth. But it seems that uh, he was he was saying that um, parables have uh, are not a major thing. They're they're somewhat minor. They they help to illustrate, but uh, uh, there's there's he's going to speak to to us plainly, tell us plainly of the gospel. <clears throat> Turn again back to Hebrews. First chapter, I'd like to look at that uh, just a little closer. It says, God who at sundry times and divers manners. Uh, sundry times means uh, other times or former times. Uh, diverse manners would have the idea of different ways that the Lord spoke to them in the past. Uh, he said he's, he mentions it is in the past that he did this. He spoke to them in parable and um, well symbols and types. We have those in uh, in the tabernacle, and we have those in uh, the ministry of some of the prophets who were uh, considered to be types of of Christ. Uh, we learned about that this morning in our Sunday school lesson. How that uh, Joshua, a type of Christ, led the people across. Into the into Canaan, and even using uh, used the name Jesus for him in the New Testament, and so we have these symbols and types, um, other uh, other times in different ways. The the prophets spoke to the people. Uh, an interesting verse here in in uh, Hosea. I think it's Hosea 12, verse 10. God speaking here said, I have also spoken by the prophets, and I multiplied visions and used similitudes by the ministry of the prophets. If we go into the book of Daniel, uh, we, have the, we have that uh, illustrated there, that visions and similitudes. Uh, Daniel uh, is... Uh, Daniel's a good story of courage and uh, where he stood up to the king of Babylon and actually uh, won Nebuchadnezzar over to um, believing in God. Uh, but if you read some of the chapters in Daniel, um, if you're like me, you just have to shake your head. What is all these animals and, and uh, wheels and... I guess that's in uh, that's in uh, Ezekiel, but uh, visions and similitudes—all of these things that God gave to these prophets—and uh, they recorded them. And um, it's uh, it's hard for us to to grasp all of that, and we probably can't grasp it all. But uh, uh, there are some things that are that illustrate and um, point forward to the to the gospel age. <clears throat> Visions and similitudes. These are the uh, things that the prophets wrote and recorded. And God used these things. It says here in Hebrews, the first chapter, that uh, he spoke to the, uh, to, our fa to the fathers in the past through these, through these ways. 
I noticed in uh, a few verses in uh, the Old Testament too a hint of of the coming uh, gospel that is simply a, a plain gospel uh, that I'm talking about this morning. There's one illustration of that in um, Psalm 49 that I thought was interesting. And that's uh, starting at verse 6. They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of the riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is precious, and it ceaseth forever. A a hint of uh, the gospel. No word... We're sunk without Christ. No wealth can bring us to salvation. No money paid can buy our way into heaven. And uh, this is what he said. None of them can by any means redeem his brother. Uh, you know, you can't, you can't pay uh, um, someone to... Uh, to redeem somebody else, oh, it's, they have this this idea, and uh, I think in the dark ages, and maybe some still in the Catholic Church, that you can pay a certain amount of money and get people out of purgatory or whatever. But uh, this verse says, uh, "None of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him, for the redemption of their soul is precious, and it ceases forever." Another uh, one almost like that, um, Isaiah 52. And that's verse, verse 3, and it reads like this. For thus saith the Lord, ye have sold yourselves for naught, and ye shall be redeemed without money. We're... Uh, we're sinners because of the disobedience of the first parents. There's nothing we can do about it. We're born that way. And we can't, we're not redeemed with money. We're redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. And so they, were, uh, they have these hints, even in the Old Testament, of the coming salvation that uh, is going to be free. It's going to be uh, simple. It's going to be common. It's uh, going to be something that we know about and can learn. But then uh, in Hebrews 1 here, there seems to be a change uh, for what he calls these last days. It says, He has spoken unto us by His Son. And uh, if, we, if we think of that and and think about what Jesus told his disciples there. He said, uh, the time will come when I won't need to use parables, but I'm going to speak plainly. And in the epistles, we have this plain gospel. We have this um, unadulterated gospel. It's just plain words. It tells that Jesus came, he died on the cross, he shed his blood, that we can have freedom from sin. It's, it's that plain. 
children can understand it. It doesn't take a, an allegory. It doesn't take a, uh, some kind of an illustration. It's just a simple, plain gospel. And that's what, it, what uh, inspired me for this message when I read, read these verses. Hebrews 1.3. Again, I'll read this. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down in the right hand of the majesty on high. <clears throat> Paul, uh, in talking to Titus, has these words to say. Uh, Titus 1, verse 4, To Titus, mine own son, after the common faith, he just calls it a, a common faith. Grace, mercy, peace from God and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. God the Father and Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. He calls it a common faith. Is, it, is the gospel common? Is it just, just common? It can be, in a, in a sense it is. Jude 3 uh, the third verse of Jude, which has just one chapter. Uh, he also talks of, uh, See, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Uh, he calls there a, a common salvation. Uh, there's another term... Um, Okay, we'll come across that in the next verses in uh, Second Corinthians. But um, I had to think of the idea of a common salvation. Uh, what other? I had another term that I had. It must have not got it transferred from my scribbling to my notes. Uh, the same idea of common faith. Just, uh, uh, and I don't want to bring uh, the plan of salvation down to a level where it just doesn't mean anything. And that's what I'm not, that's not what I'm doing. Uh, that's not my point. The point is that here is a faith that is simple. Here is a a plan of salvation that can be understood even by children. There's a plan of salvation that can be accepted by us all. And it's, it's one that is, is uh, that we know about. In that way it's common. It's, uh, it's not complex. Uh, modern religious thought has made the uh, plan of salvation so complex and uh, the Bible teaches us that it's simple it's common it's something we can get a hold of a little more about simplicity of the gospel let's turn to 2 Corinthians for that read a number of verses here uh, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 12 
For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you word. There he talks about this, about simplicity and, and godly sincerity, um, not something that's com- complex, not something that is uh, worldly and fleshly wisdom, but it's a simple, sincere gospel. <clears throat> Turn ahead one page and three verse 12. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. And not as Moses would put it, which put a veil over his face that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished, but their mind was blinded. For until this day remains the same veil taken, untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. And these verses then. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. Chapter 4, verses uh, 1 and 2. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. The gospel is not complex. The gospel is not hid to us who uh, follow Christ. Uh, It may be hid to the lost, but... uh, There was another verse here that's in another chapter. I'll come to that later. Second uh, Corinthians 11 and verse 3. But I fear lest by any means as a serpent beguile Eve through his subtility so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth uh, another Jesus, whom ye have not preached, or if he receive another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted. These are warnings that uh, the apostle gives that uh, there could be that uh, additional or different uh, gospel story, and uh, they are to reject that. Uh, now let's turn to 1 Corinthians. I'd like to read uh, from chapter 2. Starting at verse 1. And I, brethren, when I come to you, come not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. 
And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for they, had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And sometimes we take this verse um, to the wrong extreme. And uh, we use it to say, well, you know, God has prepared so many things for us. It's off in heaven and it's off in the future. And it's, uh, we won't, in, we can't, uh, we can't um, experience it until off in the future. Well, there is that aspect. And there is that, those things that we don't understand that will be in heaven. But this verse doesn't say that. This is the wrong verse to use. For that, because this verse says that uh, means that the uh, the natural eye can't see it, the natural ear can't hear it, neither can the natural heart understand it. Notice verse ten. It says, "But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God." And so there is a possibility to know. These wonderful things that God has has given, uh, and uh, the things that are in the Old Testament were mysteries and types and shadows and and covered with these uh, what might be called uh, husks or protection of the um, someone has likened it to that that some of the types and shadows and and um, things of the Old Testament are like husks on a immature. Uh, ear of corn, and they protect it until it's time for it to be uh, exposed and ripe. And uh, these these types and shadows in the Old Testament uh, somehow uh, protected the truth until the time when Christ would come. And then God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep th- deep things of God. If you go down to verse 14. It tells and explains a little further. It says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Up there in verse 9, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man. It's talking there of the, the natural man. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judge of no man. For who hath known the mind of of the Lord, that he might instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. And so we are recipients of a gospel that is plain and simple, that is common, that can be understood, that uh, Jesus gave his life on the cross, shed his blood, that we can have eternal life. He came out of the grave, ascended to heaven, and is there interceding for us at the right hand of the Father. 
And so our preaching and teaching then needs to be Christ-centered. It needs to be Bible-centered. It needs to be plain and simple. Children should be able to understand it. Uh, visitors that come into our midst from uh, from the world, I guess you would say, those who do not know Christ, they should be able to clearly understand and not have to guess what we believe. When uh, I'm always inspired when children come up to me and, and say something about uh, the message. Someone made this observation, when you're feeding sheep, you have to get the hay down low enough so the lambs can reach it. The gospel we preach needs to be understandable. It needs to be open. It needs to be simple. Paul said, and I say with him, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ.